someone was out there throwing a spear last weekend, what did you do? Today's show is sponsored by our friends at Spartan Race. And yes, throwing a spear is part of it. There's a lot of other things going on there in the race as well. Make a public commitment. Put a date on the calendar. Let's do a Spartan Race together. If you use code SPARTANDAD, that's code SPARTANDAD, you'll get 25% off any race. For those wanting to race in Nashville, I have a way you can get your whole race paid for. Reach out to me. Check out Spartan Race. Use code SPARTANDAD. Today's show is also sponsored by our friends at distilleryproducts.com. If you are a store, you're a group, you're a blog, you're a podcast, you're a distillery, whatever it is, you need laser edge glassware at wholesale prices. Reach out to me. I'd be happy to get you in touch with the whole family behind distilleryproducts.com doing amazing things. We use them. You should too at distilleryproducts.com. Today's show is also sponsored by our friends at Orca Coors. Whether it's the chaser, the traveler, the camper, the barrels, the roto-molded coolers, be the coolest dad this summer at the pool, at the beach, camping, whatever it is you're doing at orcacoolers.com. Use code DADSEASON for 20% off your order. That's code DADSEASON for 20% off your order. And make sure you check out coming this summer. They're going to have their 10th anniversary cooler. It's going to be pretty cool. And then you can laser on that chaser teeny. You can put logos on there, custom stuff it's going to be really cool use code dad season for 20 percent off at orcacoolers.com Hello, hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards. Zeke Baker is on assignment, and together we make the Dad's Drink of Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. It's okay. I have a very suitable replacement. I want to tell y'all, we may go a little hard in the paint here. I know he likes to keep a professional image outside of the bourbon or, or inside the bourbon community, but this man is truly my friend. He is truly an amazing person in the community, even though he is an outsider. He is a guy who started in scotch. He's weaseling his way into bourbon now. He has a stage name. He is Nate Ghana. He's not saying his whole name, but it's okay. We got to talk about your nationality first and foremost, because you are Canadian. And that's a little bit of a problem. So, <laughs> Nate, welcome to Dad's Drinking Bourbon. <laughs> I love you, dude. And that is the best intro I could have had. So thank you for that. Well, you are and a I very accomplished man. You've written in, in multiple things. You have many leather-bound books. Your apartment smells of rich mahogany. Um, you speak at events all around the country. You write in food and wine. Where else do you write in? I mean, talk about yourself Forbes, a little bit. Forbes, Bloomberg, Uh just finished speaking at Aspen Food and Wine, which was a huge honor because we did three panels. I was the only person to have three panels. Uh, the funny thing is the bourbon panel was just like, man, that was a crazy time, dude. It was so much fun. Well, and you were pulling out like Michter's 25 and what else did you have there? So we had the original. This is funny. So we have we had the Michter's 20. We had from the bourbon side. Hirsch's new cognac cask, which is yet to be released. That'll be out in September. We had a bunch of scotches, a bunch of Irish, some Asian. And then at the end of it, uh, Danny Bardstown decided to do the new for Cullen, which is not out yet. And the crazy thing is what we did on that one was he did a deconstructed version of it. So he did the 21 year Irish as one go and the Bardstown as another go. And then he combined the two to make for Cullen. And so we tried all that deconstructed. But then on the Tuesday before the event, the placemat was set. Everything was good to go. And I get the call from Hirsch and they're like, hey, would you mind if we added the original 1974 16 year to the tasting? I was like, would I mind? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's. Now I got to change my placemats. Come yeah, on. Like, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, now I got to change this freaking placemat, dude. Like, what, what the fuck am I supposed to do here? So, yeah, it was, uh, woof. What a tasting, man. And to put the Michters side by side with that. And oh, that's the other one. Obviously, the one I have here. We did get to try the Parker's sixth edition blend of mash bills, too. So it was like, how do you put the, those three iconic bourbons 
in a room together and and in a tasting together and it worked out super well i think it's the blend of bourbons and promise of hope are my two favorite uh parkers so good dude that heavy char bourbon though i mean that that is crazy good too the one from last year it's outrageous i don't know what they're doing everything that they do is actual crack they are just on fire except for the orange one uh, we talked about that before we got started. The one that's kind of like an orange curacao is not. <laughs> but I will tell you, no lie, one of the low-key sleepers of the Parker's lineup, it doesn't get talked about a lot. It's the cast strength. It's just regular, the cast strength bourbon. It's good. And I Dude. think if it got, it's one of those ones, it's like the, it's like the George T. Stag that was the low proof. If it's released under any other label, people were going to go that's a great bourbon and it's because it was a low proof stag and it's because it was in a, a parker's heritage that you know any other bourbon they would have been all over it a hundred percent and not only that like i don't know if you saw this but there's two different versions of this sixth edition and this one that i have here is 70 percent, dude it's 69 7 and it was like what are we even doing here with the 69 7 and we tried it and it drank in the mid fifties, man. It is ridiculously good. Holy it's like light. God. It's what I love about light whiskey is you get a, a light whiskey. That's like 140, 150 proof. And you're like, eh, this maybe drinks one ten, Right, dude. It's crazy. And someone was saying that about Boone. I think it's what Boone County. Is it? Uh, no, what am I thinking of right now? No, let me have a look here. I Jack Daniels barrel proof. No, someone sent me something the other day that they did. And it's at. 72 percent 73 hold on i'm gonna find this for you it was insane so there was a uh, bowman way back in the day yeah, so a. smith yeah but i'm not talking about the cast strength i'm not talking about the one that that people were talking about a couple years ago i'm talking about earlier there okay. was a bowman that went under the radar that was really up there and it was so damn good really yeah Okay, so Kings County, single barrel for a reserve bar. It's at 73.8, dude. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? 74%, dude. That's rough. I mean, how do you think it's gonna be? I'm I'm curious. Like, can you can you can you handle that? Like, I can handle it. I I just wonder with the age on it, right? Because right. If the age mellows it out a little bit, like I wouldn't want it to be hot from the youth plus the heat of the proof. 100%. And if 100%. it if there's some balance there, I'm cool with it, but if it's just like hot and citrusy, then I'm out. I mean, that's there's no way that's an 8 year. I I can't see it being an 8 year. So, I mean, 6. Yeah, 6 would be okay. I mean, I I just wouldn't want it to be like 3 years or you know, hey, we did something in three, four years that's that high proof. Well, it's funny because there's that whole, we were just talking about the Russells and Eddie doesn't like bourbons. I read this and I asked Bruce and I was like, what's the story here? Eddie doesn't like anything under six, but doesn't like anything over 12. Yet they wound up in this 13 situation. And the whole kicker with the 13 is that it's, it's, it's majority 10 year with 35 barrels of 2002 19 year in the first batch the second batch is all 20 year dude like what but that's a common thing i mean people don't realize how much there was some rare breed that has 16 year in it a while ago in the blend and a lot of people i mean i and i'm interested because i want to tell your story and i want to talk about this but the problem too is there's a lot of parallels between scotch and bourbon where we talk about that journey and, and where you came from scotch and age is a different thing. You're aging yep. longer in Scotland because the climate is completely different. It's cold as shit. And you know, you're not getting a lot of work in the wood and the summer is not as long. So that age, I mean, I tell people all the time, MGP, I think an MGP over 12 years, the first thing I ask you is where's it aged? Because there's been some Traverse City ones that were good because of Michigan. Um, you know, and then I'm saying, is it being aged at MGP or is it being aged elsewhere? Where is it going? Well, you look at Heinz. I mean, Heinz literally doesn't do anything 
I mean, his bourbons are five to six, his rise to eight or nine. And that seems to be his common ground. Like he just literally goes five, six, eight, nine. And I think he is a bourbon that's a little bit older, but I mean, same thing though. It's MGP. Once it gets over 12, I'm looking at it a little, and even 12, right? It's the best is that eight to 11 is really the sweet spot. 100%. Yes, absolutely. Do you think the climate's playing a factor there? Well, it's also the warehousing at, at Indiana, so it's a cement warehouse, and the proof yep. will go down the longer yep. it stays there. So when you see some of those ones that come out and it's you know in the 90s or low 100s, and you're like, yep. oh, that was aged in Indiana, so that wasn't actually taken away. Um, so that's an interesting thing, I think, about there. But I also just think it's the way also what I find, too, with with mgp distillate and i find this a little bit with new riff um just because larry set it up exactly like mgp there's a little bit of ethanol on it when it's younger so i've had some new riff i i love new riff right but i've had some new riff where i'm like man these single barrels this is pretty high on the ethanol heat like i'd like to see this in the barrel for a little bit longer and 100%. I think when New Riff eventually can push the age up to like six years, it's gonna be killer. So, what's your take on Old Willet versus New Willet? I mean, it's a, so you mean like the the stuff that they sourced opposed to the current, like because I just had an eight year from them, and like current eight year, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, huh. It's vastly different. That's the first thing that I can tell you right now is like, wow, there is a huge difference here. But So we had Clay on and we were talking about all this with him and it was a great episode. But it's also like if you think about that old Willet and and we talked about how and it was even this was Turkey. Right. But we talked about like the Pappy that won the Pappy that got like the ninety nine was Turkey that Jimmy didn't want. Right. And it wasn't because he said this is bad whiskey. It's because he was saying this doesn't really fit with anything I'm doing. Julian, why don't you take it? Right. All the stuff that even got in the beginning for Willet was stuff that people didn't want. And and now people. (laughs) Yeah. But now people are paying how much for it on secondary? I mean, bottles go for 15,000. Nuts. And it was it's stuff gone. that other distilleries just said, yeah, like you're doing me a favor taking this off my hands. Yes. And yes, it's crazy to think that, but yes. But it is also like it is a cornucopia, the old stuff. I mean, the new, it's, you know, but I still, what I love about the new is the variety in Mashville's. So, you know, 100%. you have the high rye rye, you have the, um, you know, you have yeah. the OG, you have the weeded, you have like, there's different things that you can go through with Willet and have variety and, and not every eight years the same. Drew has a really, really good palate. You know, it's, it's one of those things where he's, he's not only like just been around it, but he actually loves it, which I think I love that part, right? Like not a lot of people say that stuff, you know, given that they're from a company doesn't necessarily mean they try it ever, right? But he is putting his heart and soul in that place. And I think that's paying off hugely, right? So, and by the way, that pig is still hanging there. No, oh, I mean, <laughs> I think that somebody's always got a pig hanging there. I mean, I, I think it rotates, you know? It has to. It has to, <laughs> but it's a great place to age ham. I also yep. think that that's something, at least for bourbon that I have an affinity for people that are trying lots of different things. And like, I know I'm not going to poke the bear. I mean, they're, they're my friends, but there's a lot of people down at Jack that will only drink Jack and they will never be seen drinking anything else. But there's people like, uh, Sean Joseph's is a great example from Pinhook. He on Instagram, will post when people send him samples and he's like, I just tried this wilderness rye. I yes. just, and, and I think you have to try other people's 100%. stuff. 
And by the way, wilderness is pure crack. Oh, that is actual crack. And you like, talk about the age statements crack. going up there. I mean, and, and that's the thing. It's oh. not that the age needs to be 10 years or above. It's just you have just oh. like the proof. You have to just find the sweet spot. Yes, dude. Yes. I mean, a four year from them is like, what are we even talking about right now? That four year can go up against most six years any day. Well, it's the yeast too. It's everything that Dr. Pat is doing with the yeast and and all that fun stuff. But I mean, we could sit here. I know people love the episodes where we shoot the shit on the industry. I do want people to know a little bit about you and then we will continue to shoot the shit. So tell us how you, how did you even get started in whiskey? altogether what'd you do before whiskey I, I appreciate that man so i was in a tech startup and true story yes i am canadian don't hold it against me totally uh we were in a tech startup and we had Microsoft. a meeting at the tim hortons and yeah. we were we were all eating some donuts it was and- me and a couple of cops justin trudeau <laughs> and some donuts. no it was a couple of mounties and we were mounties. all at the we were all at the tim hortons you know your stuff. And it was Trudeau and the Mounties. We had some Alberta premium. It was fantastic. <laughs> before beam, before beam. It was all the stuff, you know, they put in that lock, stock and barrel. They they all took that. They all went up to Canada eh? and, and they, they all got it and Canadian put it down. Accent. You have a very good Canadian accent. I'm not going to lie. This is actually fantastic. I am. I, my favorite thing is watching 24 seven, the hockey, you know, the, that's on HBO where they do it leading up to the winter classic. And there's always Canadian guys that like look at each other and it's the nicest fight in the whole entire world. They go, Hey man, uh, I think we should go. What do you think? Yeah, we should go. And then they throw their, their, their gloves down. And then afterwards they go like good fight. eh?" And yeah, good fight. eh? All the time. That was a good tilt every single time. But anyway, so you were at a tech startup. I, I, no, dude, this is great. I was in a tech startup. And the thing is, is that what I realized was that America had so much more money to spend on marketing than Canada did. And when I started in, in this, what I mean by that is like in America, for example, if you want to get a, a sample bottle, you'll say, hey, can we get a sample bottle? They'll say, yeah, they'll send you the full 750. In Canada, they'll send you a 50 ml, dude. It is an embarrassment. Like it's actually <laughs> ridiculous. So you're sitting here with a 50 what the fuck am I supposed to do with a 50 ml? Seriously, like you can't post about it because it's a 50. It's nothing special. It's like a Lafroy or a Lagavulin that they would just regularly have at a store. So it's a very strange thing that we don't spend on marketing in Canada. So I knew that right away. And every time the brands would send me something, how would that whole Well, but started? had you even, so you made, you were at a tech startup and then yeah. you did single malt daily on the side. Is that what it was? Yeah. So this is kind of crazy. Back when I was in college, my mom and I used to go to the duty free every time I'd come home from from school from college, and uh, and we'd grab something just for fun. It could be vodka, could be you know gin, could be something that looked cool. But I happened to have a bottle of Macallan, and it was it was some sort of special eighteen. But you know, back in the day in two thousand four, five, six, it was a hundred dollar bottle of eighteen, right? Like it was nothing crazy like today, and. 10 years after in 2014, someone came to me and said, Hey, that's a really cool bottle. I'll, I'll buy it for 1200 bucks. So then I thought to myself like, okay, so I'm making 1100% on this bottle. Uh, yeah, you can take it for sure. But then I thought to myself, what's he making on it? If I accepted his first offer. And then the same thing happened on a Glenfiddich, uh, three months later, a $500 bottle of Glenfiddich, someone offered me three grand. And I was like, okay, there's, I'm missing something here. And so my actual expertise comes in the valuation of whiskey. And I know that sounds like people don't like hearing that, but you know, when an Ardbeg cask sold last week for 16 million pounds, you kind of have to take it seriously as an actual investment avenue, especially the way the world is right now with investments and stocks. I looked at things and saw things differently and, you know, everything's been going down. Whiskey has been going up. I mean, there are bottles right now at auction currently that are trading at ridiculously high prices for this current auction. And I'm thinking to myself, like we're in a, the start of a recession right now and people are bidding this much on whiskey. Like today, this is crazy. So I figured that a lot of people were actually buying a lot of these whiskeys as investments. I've been in places where it looks like your basement 
but it's a, a literal basement full of Japanese whiskeys. These guys spent 99 pounds on these whiskeys or, or 100 US on some of these whiskeys. Some of these bottles are $100,000 right now. And it's like back in the day when nobody saw these things coming, a certain group of people did realize that they were getting the best value for money. Oh, I mean, I got a friend that went out and bought all as many McCowan edition number ones as he could. Really? And I Dude. mean, when you were getting them then, I think they're going up 10 X and, and it's funny because people talk about bourbon and the, the bourbon secondary. I mean, scotch has a crazy secondary that we just don't see. We don't get exposed to. So here's the kicker on that. And I love that you say that. So right now there's four McAllen's trading above a million dollars per bottle. There are, uh, two bottles of Japanese whiskey trading over 500,000 and then probably another 300 that are trading over a hundred thousand. There is not a single bourbon that's over a hundred K right now. And, and we're talking the top end, you know, maybe you're looking at a Rathskeller or you're looking at a Pappy 25 decanter being in the 70 range, but that is, or Linnell's for that matter. But like, this is my point. If it's not there yet, and you had, like we were talking about, when Hirsch decided that, who was it that you're talking about? The Russells that could. Oh, yeah. The, that Pappy that bottle. The Pappy. If you're telling me that you have like Joe Montana handing something off to Tom Brady and they're both involved in it and it's not a great bottle and it's not going to reach greatness heights in terms of value. Like I got a horse to sell you, dude. All these bottles in bourbon and rye are going to hit a quarter million dollars in no time, dude. I am 100% banking on it. And I, all, I put all my chips in, in bourbon. And that's kind of what got me into this on the bourbon side was like, okay, there is so much to be had there from a financial perspective. And I don't mean like people aren't making amazing whiskeys to drink, but how many people do you know and their mom that started a distillery recently? Like everybody's trying to ride this wave, dude. But it's I also ridiculous. think it's different just from bourbon to scotch because scotch is kind of like a higher class and and there's a lot of high class people drinking bourbon don't get me wrong right but bourbon is it's america's spirit it is the official it is the official drink of america right we've we've it can only be made in the united states of america and yes for y'all listening it could be made in all 50 states bourbon can be made anywhere it just has to be made in the u.s but it's also like you know you think about the brands that are iconic it's the jim beams it is the you know the jack daniels it is the evan williams like there's not a scotch equivalent like maybe the grouse but like you're not but you're not looking at stuff I mean, there there are scotches that are there are scotches that are you know 20 bucks but mila coolis isn't doing a commercial for them yes yes yeah you, you know what and that is actually the first time anybody's ever put that perspective on it and there is a class level to japanese too but the funny thing is it's actually the japanese that got scotch going from a investment perspective so the quality of Japanese whiskey, I kind of put it similar to the quality of Japanese cars in the 90s in America when they just dominated Ford and GM. You know, when Toyota came in and Honda came in and just killed it for price and quality, the Japanese came in and did that and made these amazing bottles of whiskey. And the Scottish were like, oh, shit, like that. We didn't see that coming, you know, and, and they that forced them to raise their game. And it's right? like, wait, it tastes just like us? Like you know <laughs> how do you do that it, it tastes like us too better and cheaper like oh shit we're in in some trouble here and the thing is is like yes I, I i see what you're saying completely in a class and that's actually probably the most valid counter argument to what i've suggested about bourbon and bourbon going through the roof is that the, could be a classist thing but it's there Except it's there it's it's it's, there. it's going to be there in certain instances, but it's not all of them, right? Like there no. are certain brands that just absolutely will never make it. Or Bobby Axelrod carrying around a bottle of Michter's 20 on billions 
is going to change the game for bourbon, right? He's not carrying a Japanese or a scotch. That perception is finally starting to come to light. And I also think that there are shows like Dad's Drinking Bourbon, though, and and where we are the counter to you, in a sense, right? 100%. Where we're looking at it and we're going, yeah, Boss Hog is 500 bucks, and like Michter's retail is 500 bucks, but... You know, like if you have the Michter's toasted bourbon, if you can find that retail, that's pretty damn good too, right? Like, and it's what's the yin to the yang? Um, You're one hundred percent right. I think the big yin to the yang right now is like the the other half is, and and this is on the on the taste side of things. I see Scotland lagging so hard right now with all these forty to forty six percent bottles, dude. Like majority of scotch whiskey right now is sitting in this 40 to 46 range and dude 90% of bourbon is sitting at cask strength or higher arguably like you know if you could have a higher than cask strength you would do it in bourbon and i think that speaks hugely to the quality of bourbon right now versus the diminishing quality i'm not going to say any brands but like i've seen some brands in in a very expensive capacity recently drop from 48 to 43 I'm like, why would you do that, dude? Like, what was the point in that whole situation? So you could save 5% in water? Like, what are we talking about here? Well, and we have a big thing on this show where we talk about when LTOs come out and they're at a nice round number. And I'm just like, man, 102 proof? Like, did you try it at 102.3? Like, is, (laughs) you know, you just kind of look at it. You're like, I mean, and that's, so the other thing that I would think is that like bourbon, the bourbon community, it's very, it's more blue collar than scotch, but we're also way hypercritical because you have a very knowledgeable community. And I'm not right. saying scotch isn't knowledgeable, right? But the, the art of scotch is in the blending and one bourbon is kind of getting there like you see what freddie's doing over at at beam and you see what you know ashley barnes is doing you see what uh marianne eves is doing you see what nancy fraley's doing you see all these blenders that are that are starting to come out but we're nitpicking what's the mash bill what's the entry proof what's the exit proof um you know, and- I've also actually heard something from a, a, a friend of mine that you know, uh, Bourbon Finds. Um, I also heard from him. We were talking the other day, and I said, he, he, I, I tagged him in something, and it was a, it's a Virginia distilling bottle. And uh, he said, he said, I really got to get around to trying that stuff. And I said, oh, why don't you like it? He's like, well, I just can't get past bourbon versus American single malt. And I was thinking to myself, like, wait a minute, like, you can't get past bourbon into American single malt, even if it's American. Like this is this is kind of crazy. I was shocked about that. Have you had it yet? Yeah. Oh, I've had it, and we've reviewed it on the show. I, I mean, I think so. Here's the funny thing. I think there's some great American single malts out there. Westland uh, just did some great stuff. ASW has some good American single malts. Virginia has Balcones. some good Balcones. But everybody talks about and. And I know I'm going to give you so, you know, yes, Nate works for a lot of different things and he works for beverage and they just put out the American single malt pack. Yep. Everybody's yep. betting on American single malts to blow up, but everybody's been saying for like 10 years, American single malts are going to blow up. So it's like, yes, yes. I'm it's a not, yeah. but I'm not sold. It's going to blow up. Like, I think they're good. This is a great point, dude, but this it's like. Really- it's also i put the american single malt conversation in there like if you like scotch i think right now low-key go get american single malts you're not going to be disappointed and you might get better whiskey for a better price but i put the whole american single malt is going to blow up conversation in there with the bourbon bubble or the bourbon bubble is going to burst like everybody's like, yeah, 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 this thing's gonna burst, it's gonna burst, it's gonna burst. And then guess what? It's 350 bucks for Elmer T. Lee. Like, how do you like them apples? Dude, Dude you see Blanton's just regular Blanton's I've seen for like 450. No, what are we even it's, talking about? So I do because we know I'm a better person than you, I do a lot of charity work. 
And <laughs> I, I mean, it is no lie. Every charity event I do, if I get a bottle of Blanton's, it goes for 500 or higher. Oh like, and you sit there and you're like, I put a freaking limited edition four roses next to it. And the Blanton's going to go higher. So oh I tell God. charity people, like, if you really want to raise money for your charity, just get 10 bottles of Blanton's there you go. and just put it right. Like go to a store, dude, our Blanton's like when, when I get back to Canada, our Blanton's, I'm not kidding you. It's, it's $70. Yeah. Like, what are we even talking about? This is ridiculous. I'm going to send you, just to be equally charitable as you, I'm sending you a case of fucking Blanton's. It'll go to Folds of Honor next year, just so you know where it's going. Yeah. It will go to the the Drams and Jams event that I helped do with them in March. And so I literally, I put the, the Stop and Smell the Roses, Dad's Drinking Bourbon Willet, which typically goes for two grand. So that went up high, right? But Blanton's, like, I got 500 bucks for the Blanton's. But what I will tell you, and, and so here's the crazy thing. You talk about valuations, right? So Marcy from Preservation was nice enough to send all three of the 17-year uh, very old St. Nick's, right? Three, all three went for 15 grand. Wow. So. Wow, really? Yeah. So you think about valuation of whiskey, right? Like that is supposedly the the Stitzelweller stuff. You know, you have all that stuff in there. That's still going for essentially five hundred dollars or five thousand dollars a bottle. So, wow, right? Like, yeah. I mean, she and I gotta say, Marcy is super like favorite people on earth dude super super awesome of her i i thanked her so much and and that was oh. three scholarships for folds of honor but Absolutely. if that was scotch and you're looking yeah. at that type of stuff there it goes back to your valuations right like that probably gets double or triple that if triple it's a scotch 100 which is crazy to me that like it so here's the thing but I also think that like scotch is probably more global versus more domestic, right? Like you don't have these scotch valuations in America, dude. Like they well, just don't exist. And I don't want to shit on your parade. Like I know I keep finding reasons why you're going to be wrong oh. here. But the other thing I'd say is like the highest scotch, like those ones that are over a million dollars, that's a Macallan 50, isn't it? Or no, it's a, it's a 60 year. There's one of there's three, three different types. There's 14 bottles of each, if I'm not mistaken. It's a, it's a 1926 60 year. You're never going to get bourbon to be 50 or 60 years old. No, never. never because never. it's going to taste like shit. So You're it's be, what well, is there the, won't be any in the cask. Like, yeah. we, you know, we were talking to Connor O'Driscoll from, from heaven Hill. And uh, he was speaking with me at Aspen and it was crazy. A question came up about what would it take to make a more aged bourbon and his response was actually brilliant, but he actually pointed to the fact that they have taken casks of Heaven Hill and opened them, and there was literally nothing in them, dude. So literally, bro. I used to talk about this all the time, and and apologies to people that are, are regular listeners. My favorite thing to do is to take the tasting tour at Heaven Hill, because okay. so you know your boy Parker, he famously only knows. So he did all of his stuff as master distiller and he didn't taste it. He just nosed it. And there is a great bottle that used to be on the tasting tour. I think they're finally done with it, but it was called bad batch. So the nose on it is killer. And then when you taste it, it is like the worst whiskey that you've ever had in oh, your shit. life. And it's okay. cause it was an older whiskey and it was on the top floor. So it just got baked and Ugh. The nose is great, but like it just shows with a whiskey or, or with a bourbon, um, you know, you have it on the top floor. Like the only way you're going to do an older bourbon is in a temperature regulated warehouse and there are certain yep. conditions and like, you know, it's going to be something that the experimental uh, so, Buffalo Trace does. So I'm going to counter your counter because 
I like, I like where you, dude, I love that you're challenging me in a lot of aspects right now. This, because here's the thing, if, if it's not like you're the first person to actually challenge me on a lot of these things. And it's good because it kind of puts where I'm thinking in perspective, but my only counter to you is the fact that right now in Scotland and Japan, they just release everything called a limited edition and it just fucking goes right. Like they just, that's all they need to do is just say, Hey, this is a limited edition bottle and it just goes. And I think that how many limited edition bottles can you possibly do before you oversaturate the market? There's a bottle called McAllen Genesis. This is a crazy story. So I think, so the McAllen Genesis is the first bottle that McAllen released from the new distillery. When you're going into Elgin, where the distillery is, it's one road in and one road out. So if you lived in the town, you were hooped because it was a 12-hour wait to get into your home because everybody was lined up to go to the McAllen to get this bottle. The bottle was retailing for 250 pounds at the distillery. It was selling the next day at auction for 4,000 pounds. So you had a 16X immediately off this bottle. The kicker is I believe there's only one bottle open and it's at the distillery. Dude, like, what are you just going to trade 249 bottles for the rest of their lives? But that's what and- bourbon does in the same thing. I mean, look at Bellmead, right? Bellmead honey comes out. Yes. It's immediately 750 on secondary yeah. like this before. And and now before you're it. starting to see. So where I will also counter myself and say your argument, um, like Coy Hill, you're starting to have Jack Daniels that immediately is going up there higher and and so now you're getting those mainstays that are putting out ltos i mean the biggest difference right now between kentucky and tennessee is that tennessee's prohibition ended like 80 years after kentucky kentucky's ended in the 1930s and we ended in um you know or 1940s whatever it was we we ended in 2011 you know so it's it's a little different, and I say that as we right, but I'm a, I'm a Kentucky grad that lives in Tennessee, so I love both. But you know, you're starting to see those mainstays now actually have, and and then some of the other subsets that actually have aged whiskey enough to do LTOs. But yes. what I would say with bourbon is the other problem is Scotch has been around so much longer, and they just know how to market. 100%. And and bourbon is lagging, so I'm not saying it's not going to get bourbon there. It yeah. is. You have these brands, and especially with the way that like spirits brokers are getting barrels out there, you get these Dude. brands that are like, we just ran into some cool shit, but we don't know how to market it. So we don't know how to put it out, and we don't have an umbrella. They're not doing a McAllen Genesis. They're just putting out like, hey, we got some vino de naranja or here you go like i mean four roses four roses might be the cheapest company in the world in and in terms of marketing i don't even think they have a marketing budget like i don't even think they know the what the word marketing is like it's actually unbelievable and outside of i mean i I think you have heaven hill you have buffalo trace like the antique collection is a mainstay you have you know heaven hill that with parker's heritage and and then Wild Turkey, you have Masters Keep. And then yep. Beam, you just kind of have like, okay, it's Booker's 125th now. You know, like it's Booker's Rye. It's, <laughs> but there's no, like Beam needs that premium category. Yes, they do. And yes, they so you do. need those people to to come up with what is the, the play for, I mean, Old Forester birthday bourbon is now going up to 850, but like Fine. it's not going to get. No, no. But here's the thing. Okay, so this is awesome because you're talking about Beam, but I mean, dude, Beam is Beam Suntory. That is McAllen. <laughs> like, oh, the masters of marketing. Like, how do you not see that you're marketing Scotch so well and not take that immaculate game plan? And transfer it into bourbon. Like, I just don't get it. Well, because then you go Harden's Creek and yep. you have Harden's Creek that has one super killer bourbon. 
And then you have a young bourbon that's priced too high and people are going to call you on it. So then you just killed all the momentum you had with the really good thing you released. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, like, I I understand what Freddie was trying to do with it. I know he was trying to show, like, the different aspects of it. And this is the stuff that was what it would have been back in the day, opposed to, like, this is what we can do now. But it's just bourbon people are so finicky and they're they're very vocal and and they want what they want one other thing is that you guys are are definitely uh you're an open first culture whereas definitely not that way in scotland um i've seen a lot more americans open things to be like fuck it it's thursday let's let's have some fun (laughs) versus scotland where we're like oh my god this is the most antique incredible bottle ever and they just won't touch it right and that definitely is a cultural thing for sure you guys you guys you know bourbon was meant to be drank and that was your your first priority the funniest thing is one of the articles i wrote for uh, food and wine i wrote about the best investment bourbons and i put linnell's in there and linnell dm me and I, I, she said, I'm honored that you included my, my rye in your article. And I said, I was, first of all, like, holy shit, Linnell just yeah. reached me like, wow. And, and then second of all, I wrote to her, I wrote back and I said, if you have any that you're willing to part with, let me know with a wink face. I'm not kidding you. She copied and pasted my message and sent it right back to me because she doesn't have any. She literally sold everything she ever had from those four casks. Well, no, but that and she opened a bunch of them, of course, like, you know, but that was what it was meant to be. It was meant to be a drinker, right? Like nobody had the foresight back then to keep the bottles, but it's the same thing here. Right. And I'm not comparing us to Linnell, just so you know, like Linnell is in a completely different category. Yeah. I mean, light side of the moon, dark side of the moon. Like she just knows what she's doing. (laughs) But I mean, like I'll post any dad's drinking bourbon pick. I'll post and people will DM and they'll say, do you have any left? And it's like, and it's like, we like, they were gone in a day, you know, like, I don't know what to tell you. And it was a last year release or a release from two years ago. Like anything I have now, I will tell you, I like to keep a one bottle of everything so that I have our library. Yeah. A library. But the thing is like, you also have, a really good palette. I don't know Zeke, but I'm assuming Zeke has a very good palette too. So you guys are actually picking quality though, dude. Like that's a, a huge thing. Well, no, but it, it's, I thank you. But I mean, Zeke would tell you that my palette's broken. Um, and I would tell you that his palette's broken. But the funny thing about us is that our palettes are opposite. So what he thinks yep. is hot, I think is sweet. And what I think is sweet, he thinks it's hot. But the magic of our picks is when we both agree on one, like when we come yeah. together in yeah. the middle and our yeah, palettes align, it's a really, yeah. really good one. Um, yeah, it's, it's, that's the way to do it for sure. That's and we've no never gone into a pick where we've said like, oh man, I'm going to fight you because I don't think like it's always no, been unanimous in every single pick we've done, which one is the right one. But right. Of course back to you. So, so tech startup, you start single malt daily. You're, I mean, this is, I am doing some shitty job hosting tonight, but the conversation's just so good. Conversation's Awesome, dude. This is you, dude, John, you will never not be a shitty host. There's not a day that you're not going to be a shitty host. Well, thank you. you. But, (laughs) but you get into this, you start getting into valuation, but how did you then start like writing for places? Did people just kind of know that you were the guy that knew that stuff no this is actually pretty cool so and this this goes back to like the the it does kind of tie in the valuation and this is where it all comes together um there was a a a guy from this ironically was from vancouver um he and his brother sold their company to oracle for like i want to say like a half a billion dollars and they one of the brothers expatriated back to israel and he left $300,000 of scotch and other various Japanese and, and Irish whiskeys to four different Jewish charities. And 
they asked me to host this tasting. And this was kind of like the turning point in my career. So the placemat on this tasting, like this is probably the greatest tasting apart from the one I just did in Aspen that, that I would ever be a part of. And I posted a picture of this placemat of what we tasted. And I got this DM from this girl that said like, that is the greatest lineup I've ever seen of Scotch whiskey. Would you be interested in writing an article for us? And I was like, yeah, who's us? And she turned out to be from Forbes. So that was the crossing point where it was like, okay, the threshold of just holding onto your whiskeys and versus actually cracking them and opening them, it kind of met at this point of inflection. And it was like, okay, now he's tasting all these super high-end $10,000 bottles and he's not just holding them. So he obviously isn't just this bullshitter of, you know, I'm just holding on to these whiskeys, which I'll, if, you know, push comes to shove, honest to God, I will open whatever needs to be opened or I will donate it. You know, like I want to make the community better. I'm not here to just collect and hoard whiskeys by any stretch of the imagination because a lot of my job relies on me understanding palates. So yeah, if, if, if I, if I'm going to, you know, it kind of sounds selfish, but if I'm going to open a hundred thousand dollar bottle to, to make one ten, I'll do it. You know what I mean? It's, well, it's but it's also, it's also one of those things too, where, you know, like you have found, and, and I think this should be said, cause I don't want it to come across wrong as to what you do. Like, this is your job. You like for me, right. Like I have a job in tech and this is what I do to kind of blow off some steam and I make enough money to keep the website going, to keep our hosting going and to buy equipment, but I'm not out there. This is not how I make my living. And there are certain things. I think everybody sits here and goes, oh man, I would love to do this for a living. And trust me. Nate's a good friend. I've talked to him a lot. Like I have other people that are good friends that this is what they do for a living. There are things that you have to do. If you want this to be your living, you have to do tastings. You have to write articles. You have to have ads. You have to do all this other stuff. It's not one source of revenue. So I think it's also should be said, right? Like that this is your job. This is your profession. This isn't like, um, and so when you say that, when you're like, I need to make 10 grand on a hundred thousand dollar bottle, it's like, (laughs) yeah. Cause I need to pay my electricity. I need actually pay my electricity. I need to pay my car. You know, literally it's, and it's, it's crazy because I see how everything's going. It took me forever to make a dime in this industry. So when I started in Instagram, there was maybe 200 of us. There's probably, I would say, 65 to 75,000 whiskey accounts now, at, at least. Right? And it's it's so diluted from where it was. But I saw the dilution coming a long time ago, and probably right when I started making money at this. So I started the account in 2015. I was pretty much broke for two years when I had you know started creating the account and the content. And I just said, stick with it because I was gaining 600 followers a day and and not losing followers like I currently do. (laughs) It was one of those things where I was like, okay, if I'm gaining this many followers a day, uh, there's got to be something here. And one company believed in me and and I'll give full credit to Pernod Ricard and and, and that when they came on board and said, you know, we we love your platform. We were willing to invest in, in you and your platform. And, and that kind of changed the game for me because I knew that the two years of hard work that I put in for no money had actually paid off. And, you know, I wasn't going to change what I was marketing. It was just that someone actually believed in what I was marketing. So they said, would you push this particular Glenlivet? And I actually said, no, I wouldn't because my crowd wouldn't like that because it's actually not high enough for that Scotch crowd and what they're drinking. And at the time, a lot of people weren't happy that they were left Glenlivet 12 out of the equation and went to the non-age statement to replace it. And I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't post about it. And, and they actually respected it, which was co- really cool. Um, you know, obviously I've sold out and, and, and that's okay too. You know, you have to sell out on certain things. Um, let's just say Game of Thrones didn't really go the way that everybody thought it was going to go for the, for the whiskey collection of it. But uh, I still know. have, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I have the Stark and and I have the um I have the Stark one and I have the uh uh what's her name? Lannister? 
Yeah, I have the Stark and the Lannister. That's what it is. Sorry. That is awesome, dude. Really? And <laughs> and I mowed through a Johnny Walker White Walker one. <laughs> like, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the best. It's just regular Johnny Walker in it, but really. But it was. But when you froze the bottle, it would say winter is coming. Yes, right. And it was like, oh my god, winter is here. Like it was crazy, dude. Yeah. And so the funny thing is, is between Zeke and I, I like Zeke will always come to me if we get sent to Scotch or American Single Malt. He's like, well, Edwards, you got this one. Like you, you know more than I do, because um, I can. I'm always, I'm always pushing some brands on the page that I genuinely actually love. And I'm going to bring to you in July so that you and I can actually go at a couple of these like Dalmore. Oh, you, you love I, Dalmore. I love Dalmore, dude. And and I am obsessed with I'm, I'm going to Dalmore in a month and I cannot wait because this is the first time I'll be back in Scotland after three years of, of hiatus because they took COVID way more seriously than the Nashville and Kentucky. They <laughs> oh. you guys didn't even know COVID was a thing, dude. And, it was three months, three months. It was done. And meanwhile, over there, I got a, I got a, I got a call last year, and they're like, "Ah, mate, we're pushing back the, we're pushing back the distillery tour until next year." And I was like, "Next year? What? You actually do a good brogue? I thank you. So I could do Irish. I can't do Scottish. That's yeah. um, Oh, I can't do Irish. I can't do Irish. My best friend. So my my best man in my wedding, and the way that I got into Scotch. That's interesting." is being a Kentucky grad, I mean, you get a minor in bourbon. I've made that joke a million times on this show, but if you go to UK, you're gonna, people come in town. It's like when you go to Nashville and you go to Broadway, it's like, all right, you know, you take people to Woodford or Buffalo trace. Cause they're the closest to now there's some other distilleries there. But back when I was in school, it was like, what do you want? Woodford or Buffalo trace? You're going to the, one of the two. And then, um, and now, it's like uh, my best friend, he he was my best man at my wedding. He's from Scotland. So, and my birthday is April 9th and his birthday is April 10th. So every year I would give him a bourbon and he would give me a scotch. And then he would start to teach me the nuances of what's a Highland, a Lowland, an Isla, uh, Speyside, and like, what am I looking for? So I was lucky enough that I had somebody who gave me hands-on experience. Um, I mean, you, you have a really good palate in, in bourbon, but you're, you must have a pretty decent scotch palate then. Yeah. I mean, I will tell you, I don't like it when it's too PD, like when that acetone bandaid gets there. Um, but I do yeah. like a lag of Olin 16. I mean, whenever anybody comes to me and goes, I have a friend, he likes scotch. I need to give him a present. I'm like lag of Olin 16. It's a hundred bucks. Just do it. Like, have a day. Thank you later. Yes, hundred percent. You're completely right. So then, like you know, you're kind of going back to this. You know, I I, I thought like, okay, I've sold out now. Like whatever. <laughs> there's there's that. I, I definitely sold out. But the the cool thing that really helped me validate. You know, there's been a lot of things that have helped validate. But like also being a judge in the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. You know, we go through 300 spirits over three days right? Not just whiskey, right? Like we just did an overproof rum flight and I'm, I, I shit you not 81.9, 75.9, were the first three on the overproof rum flight. I'm like, if you can pull anything out of 81.9, it's a win, dude. <laughs> and not only that, like I think it, I think it made double gold. Like it was crazy, but you know, if you ever want to test your palate, do a spirits competition, dude. Cause like, wow. I would love to, I, I would love to actually do it, but you know, that for some reason, Zeke and I kind of tell people like, listen, we review bourbon like on our show. So we do interviews, but like the main stuff is we review. Um, right. And we're like, we're available. And everybody's like, nah, nah, you guys are good. You're fine. We don't need you. <laughs> Although I will say I've seen some hilarious email responses by you, which makes me love you even more. Cause you're like, yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so long story short, now you've made this your career. You work for beverage. You do some stuff for beverage. 
You do some stuff for Whiskey Live. I'm going to get to see you here in a few weeks because I think it is the 23rd and 24th of July. Yes, you are going to be here in Nashville for Whiskey Live. So what is, because all I know is that I'm going to get to go and see you and, and give yeah. you a big hug. So that makes me happy. Yeah. But what is Whiskey Live and how does it compare to the other whiskey shows that are out there? Awesome question. I'm going to give you a huge background here. So uh, during the pandemic, the other thing that kind of blew blew me up was uh, everybody had their budgets, all the big banks, all the big tech corporations, they all had their budgets, but they couldn't take their clients anywhere. They couldn't take them out, right? Nothing was open. So they said, do you do virtual tastings? And I was like, yeah, actually, as a matter of fact, I do. So we'd ship these boxes across the country to Google, Facebook, whoever it was, all the banks and, and and all the law firms, and they we would do a virtual tasting. And that's how Beverage came about. So we actually founded Beverage last year. It is essentially an at-home virtual whiskey kit. So you've got these 10 whiskeys. There's another kit coming out soon. It's going to be a, a world whiskey kit, which is going to be really awesome because uh, I'm thrilled about the Frey Ranch that's in it now. Um, but you, know, you, you have this world whiskey kit that's coming out. Now, the, the kicker is... It's not just you getting all these samples. You've got 25 videos that are online on beverage.co that allow you to drink along with the master blenders and the master distillers that made these amazing whiskeys. And then the other videos are distillery tours, tours of Scotland, tours of America, whatever it is. And you can actually do it virtually live in real time and, and listen to what these people are, are saying about what they made and how they made their products. So Jared Hempstead from Balcones is one of the guys that did the videos for Balcones, and he's talking you through their single malt. Amanda Beckwith from Virginia, she's talking you through what went through her making the, the sherry cask for Virginia Distillery. And to be able to listen to experts actually break down what you're drinking versus just trying to drink it yourself is so much cooler. So this is what our platform was. So beverage.co is our platform, but along with the platform came a show and whiskey live is the largest whiskey show in the world. So it's actually in 30 different countries. Uh, it's iconic in Paris and Tokyo, and we purchased the rights to the U S and Canada for the show. The difference in the show is going to be that, you know, a lot of the shows out there, you go there and you drink to get totally wrecked. And that's one part of the show that we absolutely hated about whiskey shows was like, I've seen Julian Van Winkle pour for the same douchebag 10 times. And that guy get kicked out of the show because he got so hammered off of Pappy and it's 6 PM and no one wants him at the show. He's stumbling all over the place. This is an educational show. So while you are drinking with, you know, you are still getting all the pours that you want, but we have eight, we actually have eight different uh, seminars going on with eight different master blenders. Uh, Danny from Bardstown, uh, David Coors from Five Trail, like the Coors family, um, Joe Beatrice from Barrel. They are actually going to be doing a seminar about what they're currently making, and they're going to allow you to taste these as they're speaking to you. I mean, it doesn't get any better than learning from the best and drinking with them, right? So this show is really a lot about education and what you're drinking. And while there are amazing brands that are that are committed to this, uh, there's so much more to this show that's a learning experience for people like, like everybody in bourbon. Like you said, it's a community. We want them to come out and we want them to enjoy the show. That was the whole difference. Well, that's July awesome. 20. Yeah, man. Thank you. Seriously. And I think you all have a, uh, like anybody who gets a ticket gets barrel bourbon, right? Like there's, they can buy it though. They have they to buy, buy it from bourbon. you. They're not yes, getting so. it by buying no, the ticket. So it was really cool. We did a single cask barrel bourbon for the show. And it is exclusive to Whiskey Live. So it's a Whiskey Live label for Barrel. So we are pumped about that too. And Barrel, you know, Joe has been so supportive of us and he is the man and, and what he's doing over there and how he keeps blending the craziest shit I've ever seen. He does not stop, man. And it's amazing blend, right? It's not just like, hey, it's not a barrel pick of Barrel. It is a blend of four different things that's in there. It's uh, It's good. Yeah, he he's fantastic. So we've got 
some five, seven, 10 and 17 year in this one, which was crazy. The 17 year, even though it's only 5%, it makes up a huge proportion of this flavor profile, man. So I can't wait to have that with you. And I actually can't wait to try all this stuff with you and just go around to all the booths and literally just talk with you. I'm just happy to see you. I'm I'm just happy to see you here in Nashville. But the crazy thing when it comes to blending and and you're going to have to come on again, this is not going to be the first time you're on. It's just weird. It's, it's one of the things I think for me, when I'm friends with someone, I almost like don't want to impose and be like, Hey, come on my podcast. You know what I mean? Like, but you like, dude, this is like, we, we can take the piss out of each other. We can legitimately just harass each other. But this is how we call each other every week. Normally, dude, dude, the Billy Bob photo will always go down (laughs) as one of the greatest photos of all time, period. So I don't know why I, I did it to be funny. So when I was going out with Nate and Brandon from who's the the Daily Dram, who works at Barson Home Bourbon Company, and we were all getting dinner together in Nashville and it was the dead of summer. It was like last summer or the summer before. I mean, it was the dead of last summer. summer. And I I dressed up like full cowboy. Like I went cowboy shirt and jeans and boots. But then we had to walk all the way from the Gulch to Broadway. And I sweat everywhere. Like I looked like Billy Bob from Varsity Blues. And he just looked at me. And I was like, I give it a tan. But I'm, I'm posting the video. No, right don't now. post the video. Don't no. Don't, Absolutely don't the post video. the video. Nobody <laughs> needs to see that video. That is the greatest video ever, dude. But, oh my god. Nate, I want to have you on again. I mean, we'll we'll do it every couple of months because I think that I you think know so, a right? lot about what's going on. And we could talk about trends, we could talk about all this other stuff and and um I love so the perspective fun. you bring. So thank you very much. You can find Nate. He's on Instagram at Nate Ghana. Uh, he is up in Canada. We we don't hold that against him. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. We're 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 down here now. Where are yeah, you? Yeah. Where are you officially? I'm, I'm between Seattle and Denver. Oh, there you go. Yeah, man. yeah. crazy, right? I know. Yeah, it's. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that I'm traveling so much around around the globe right now that uh, I just don't have time to to settle down. But once I do, you got to come visit and we'll go watch a couple Broncos games, man, because that would be unbelievable. I You don't want a Pats fan in there like you didn't meet me when I was full tilt Boston accent. Like, come on. Yeah, really? Yeah. Is this, is this and even even past the Tom Brady days? I mean, I yes, I am patriots through and through wow um hold on wow i mean yeah i'm holding absolutely i gotta i gotta move bottles out of the way but my friend nobody can see this at home that's the problem is that i am uh putting on my patriots helmet for you are you for real? This is this is great radio right now. This is this is high quality radio. This is high quality radio. Like it's great when you do visual stuff on an audio format that people can't actually see. Um, but yes, I I have never lost my my Boston. You know, so Red Sox, Patriots, Celtics, Bruins. I will admit I do love the Preds, but when the Preds play the Bruins, I root for the Bruins. Wow. I do like Nashville Soccer Club. Never really got into New England Revolution. That's the only, okay. like, I think I've been to one New England Revolution game, but so I will say Nashville Soccer Club is the the one that I've kind of I mean, supported. To be, fair, to be fair, the one sport America sucks at is soccer. So, like, you know, I don't really hold that against you. I mean, I'm a big Celtic fan. I grew up in Boston, so I'm a, a big right, Celtic right, fan. Right. There you go. There you go. Okay. That's so, there. I mean, I love Scottish Premier League for some reason, you know, like, (laughs) there you go. People were like, I love Man City and I love Liverpool. I'm like, great. Liverpool stole You'll Never Walk Alone from Celtics. So, like, 
but I do like Liverpool because the Red Sox own them. So like it's you know obviously. Anyways, obviously. I will let you go to bed, my friend. Everybody, go to whiskey. Is it whiskeylive.com? It's so I'm going to give you the site. It's beverage b e v r i d g e dot co, and from there you can go to Whiskey Live and and grab your ticket for the show, man. Because this show is going to be crazy. Come meet John and I, man. And if you guys are interested in coming out, we will have some pours. I'm going to bring some special stuff to come out there with, man. I can tell you that right now. Well, and it's fun to spend some time in Nashville. So I know there's going to be great people there. There's going to be great brands there. Check out Nate at Nate Ghana on Instagram. I think you're doing stuff at Nate Ghana on TikTok as well now. Yep. And at Beverage Co. So that one too. Awesome. You could go ahead and find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Please leave us an open, honest review, just like we leave open, honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. Thank you, Nate, again. This was a blast. Cheers, my friend. Thank you so much.